With the right set of eyes, you can spot hackers on Twitter. They have a strange image in their bio, something shady or obscure, and they write in Unicode characters and comment on privacy and anonymous tweets. While looking for accounts like that for this show, I stumbled upon a Twitter account that went by the name of Finn, and it met all this criteria. And their pinned tweet read, I have to go quiet, and if you're wondering where I am, read this. And there was a link to a news article, which said a high school had been hacked. The article didn't say much more than that, so I messaged Finn. No response. Days go by. Weeks. I eventually forgot about him. A month later, I got a reply. He said he did have a story for me, so I asked if we could talk on Skype. He said he had no way to do that because he's messaging me on Twitter through a hacked handheld video game system, which was the only electronic device he had. He told me everything else was confiscated. I got the sense that he had gotten into some serious trouble. Another month went by and he messaged me again, this time asking for my number so he can call. I gave him my number and waited. Hours went by, nothing. The next day, I got a message that said he'd gotten in a car accident and couldn't call. A few more weeks went by. I got another message from him saying he can call me this Friday at 5. So I waited by the phone. 5 comes. No call. 10 minutes later, I got a message on Twitter, and he's telling me he thought he could make free calls from this hotel he's in, but he can't. So, no call. I gave up at this point, thinking this call just wasn't meant to be. In fact, Finn's Twitter account got banned, so I had no way to reach him. But then he messaged me from another account saying he can call now if I'm available. So I agreed, and he called me. Hello? Hello. Wow. Finally connect. I know. (laughs) He gave me the gist of what he had done. I was looking for the Wi-Fi password of my school. I came across more than I expected and was able to access the uh, Twitter feed of the uh, principal. This story felt wrong. It felt dirty to me. He was just so young, and I felt like if I did this story, I would glamorize him and his hacking, and I wasn't even that impressed with what he did. So I just sat on this story and didn't do anything with it for about six months. But then I was talking to a friend about this story and tried to see what they thought, and they saw it differently than me. To them, this wasn't another hacker story. This was a story about a really smart kid, a different kid, A kind of smart and different that public schools fail because they aren't prepared to deal with kids like him. So I listened to his story again, and I found myself glued to it. These are true stories from the dark side of the internet. I'm Jack Recider. This is Darknet Diaries. Support for this show comes from Veronis. Guess how many files the average employee can access on their first day of work? 17 million. And most of them they never use. Those files are what these ransomware gangs steal and hold hostage because companies will pay to get that back. That's why ransomware is such a threat. The blast radius is huge. 17 million files? There's so much valuable data that's easy to get and they can make money from. Do you wonder what your company's ransomware blast radius is? Veronis does a free cyber resilience assessment and tells you how many important files a compromised user could steal and whether anything would beep if they did and a whole lot more. They actually do all the work, show you where the data is open to, if anyone is using it, and what you can do to lock it down before attackers get inside. They also can detect behavior that looks like ransomware and stop it automatically. 
You can even get a break on your cyber insurance. If you want to learn more, visit varonis.com slash dark. That's spelled V-A-R-O-N-I-S, varonis.com slash dark. This episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger podcast. Here's a clip from one of his episodes. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show, where I speak with the infamous Firefest's Billy McFarland from inside federal prison, where he's serving six years for fraud and on the hook for $26 million in restitution. This call is from William McFarland, an inmate at a federal prison. Is this the new Billy that we're hearing, or are you the same Billy that tried to pull off the Fire Festival? When I think about the mistakes that were made and what happened, there's no way I can just describe it other than what the f*** was I thinking. I was wrong, and I hope now that I can in some small way make a positive impact. Once you knew that the festival wasn't going to go as planned, why didn't you call it off? So a lot of people don't know, but the decision to cancel the festival was made when I was told that three people had died at the event. Thankfully, no one was actually physically hurt in any way. But up until the last second, I believed incorrectly we could pull it off, and obviously I was wrong. We had something called the Urgent Daily Payments Document. Essentially, it was a list of payments that we had to make that day, or else the festival couldn't proceed. In the couple of months leading up to the event, it went from a couple thousand dollars a day to a few million dollars a day, where I had to wake up at 9 in the morning, find $3 million by noon, and then make the payments by 4. You had a big vision, I mean, it was huge. And you got so close to something great that everyone wanted to be a part of, and people still want to be a part of it. I have to wonder if there's going to be a Firefest version two. I assume you wouldn't call it that, but are you thinking of doing something similar? If there's anything that makes you want to create and build and do, it's being locked in a cage for months or years. Are you good to come? For more with Billy McFarland, including lessons learned on the inside and his plans once he's served the time he agrees he rightly deserves, check out episode 422 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Just a fair warning up front, this episode contains a lot of bad language. If that's a problem for you, you might want to skip this one. At an early age, Finn found computers to be really fascinating. There's one day, I was 11. I was homeschooled. Um, And my boss allowed me to monitor him um, at work. That's Finn's mother. I knew if I was going to do this story, I'm going to need her too. So she was able to watch my computer constantly. And one day I was messing around with command prompt and I was able to get into her computer. And I started just, I guess you could say, a normal 11-year-old being curious just started messing around. And I figured out how to um, set up a fake screen. So I took a screenshot of like my initial screen and I would overlay that over um, what, what I was doing. Where it looked like he was learning and participating in the class work, but he was off doing whatever it is that he's doing somewhere else on the computer. And he crashed my computer. So that's kind of when we knew um, that he had a higher skill set than we had anticipated. I'm a huge, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd, <laughs> um, but it was derived from a multitude of films that I felt like the main character I could relate to, um, one of them being Tron Legacy. That was the movie that I think really kickstarted me before I even knew it into computers. What am I supposed to do? Survive. So I have a sister and two twin brothers, and 
I have a baby brother and he's one years old. Counting me, there's five. I'm the oldest, so it's all eyes on me. <laughs> I have Asperger's and ADHD. Um, uh, I have something called visor motor complex. It's, I think, it's it's when it's uh, or it's it makes math harder for me. I was in denial because as a parent, you don't want anything wrong with your kid. And then one day we ran out of medication. And that's when I knew we could never run out of it again. Oh my Lord, he was just everywhere. Literally, he was like a ping pong ball bouncing off the walls. It was just like, he went from one thing to another. Even having a conversation with him was like, what are you talking about? But then once he has his medicine, it's more calmer, more focused, um, more order and he seems to thrive on the order. I remember as a kid, we used to live on like the worst of the worst side of um, of the city that we used to live in. It was nothing but gang violence. You couldn't walk down the street at night. Heck, if you walk down the street, you don't carry anything on your pockets. Don't wear expensive shoes. Like walk barefoot if you have to. It was that sort of bad. I'd say at five years old, that was like the last time we were there and we moved to the somewhat okay side of town, but still not the best. He started out, you know, of course, regular school like everybody else, and then he went to being homeschooled. I had to do a lot of um, Khan Academy and stuff to be able to teach him things. So I thought, you know, I have a college degree and I just thought it would be easy to homeschool him, no problem but it was quite different. It was quite a learning experience for what it is for a child that has diagnosis that he has and what it's like for them to learn. Finn started to realize he was good at computers, exceptionally good, better than anyone else in his family even. Someone needed like a problem with a computer. I was pretty much the the main IT. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's kind of where I got my uh, cockiness from is... Just when I would help them, they'd be like, yeah, you did a good job, Finn. Congrats. And I I would have probably the biggest smile on my face as a kid. When Finn has a computer problem, he thinks it through differently than others. He sees things very differently than we do. He sees things in binary numbers. Um, So, like, simple things like uh, adding and subtracting and multiplication, those things seem very easy, very simple for us. But for Finn... It seems to be more of a complicated thing. So things that are more complicated for us, like quadratic equations or stuff that uses letters and numbers, which we have to kind of work at or, you know, figure out, they come very easy to him. I I like to see it as a game. I, I make mental maps. Um, so it's like, what are, what can I do and what will I do? Finn bounced around a few schools, public school, homeschooling, private school. But it didn't matter where Finn would go. He had a hard time fitting in. It was always tough in school for me, or just anywhere dealing with people, I guess. I was always uh, bullied. It didn't matter where I went. So I could go to church and I would be bullied. I could go to school and I would be bullied. I guess it was because I was shy and I didn't talk. 
or it was just the way I was dressed or something. But I I do not look like a, your stereotypical African American. I'd say. I guess that's also kind of what led me to my love of computers. I found more friends on the internet. It's the anonymity. You and that person don't know what you both look like. So they, it's to me growing up, it was like they can't judge me if they don't know what I look like. In ninth grade, Finn moved from private school to a public school. In ninth grade, it was fucking. I felt like I was in a war zone. It was like uh, if you reintroduced um, the main character back into society. That, that's kind of what it felt like for me. It was like, well, this is odd. I went from having. Say round four, five kids in my class that you know I would become good friends with. Where now I have seven different classes, twenty different students, nobody that I know. Just before switching schools, Finn got a new tablet, and it became his primary way of going online. I only used my tablet because my family didn't have a laptop at the time. Because this was a fifty-two dollar. 62 gigabyte, like, tablet from Walmart. I would compare it to your average Script Kitties tablet. <laughs> it had an anonymous wallpaper. The apps on it were um, from this app, um, I think Budroid. Uh, it was an app that had a bunch of the uh, apps used for penetration testing. I was definitely addicted to that tablet. By now, Finn has been in his new public school for four months. He's made a few friends, mostly outcasts, and those kids who sit in the back of the class and laugh. It's ninth grade, it's a week before Thanksgiving, and it's Friday. And he goes to school just like any normal day. But on this day, everything changes. I was 14. I remember my my day started off with me watching the show Mr. Robot. Hello, friend. I just recently started watching it. My first period was my computer class. The class was boring. So you were learning, oh, this is the part of the computer. I'm like, well, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, (laughs) like, uh, it's someone, everyone should pretty much know this by now. I would rather watch an ant, like, pick up a leaf than sit in a classroom. I find some of the classes in schools are utterly useless. So I, I was failing my computer class, ironically. My second period was math, and Lord God, did I hate that period. Third period is health. So I'm sitting in that class, and we're watching um, this video called Supersize Me. Guy eats McDonald's. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. So we were watching that video and I got super bored super quick. Um, I'm not into seeing a guy eat. That's kind of kind of weird. So I uh, I whip out my tablet. There there was a, another guy who um, was also a hacker. And we both came up with the goal of um, finding the the Wi-Fi password. There's there's two Wi-Fi networks. So you have the BYOD, which is um, the bring your own device policy. And then you have the Wi-Fi that um, was only for the teachers. So while Super Size Me is playing, 
Finn and his friends started exploring the school's network. They started looking at any shared drives and connected folders that were on the school's network. Finn had found a specific server that seemed interesting. So the the, um, server had a redirect. So if you were to type in in the search bar redirect slash, um, let's, uh, let's say Doe, John Doe, it would pop up a little folder of what was on his computer. So you were able to see what they had downloaded, um, what, what they were holding on their computer, the certain drives and stuff like that. I was definitely curious as to why was this particular server open? I'm like, this, this isn't right. Some, this shouldn't be open like this. That's when I'd started, um, I guess what, what I like to call my, uh, Hulk mode. <laughs> so I went around, um, just looking for any and everything. If something looked interesting, I was saving it. So what I would do is I would get the folder and open Google Drive on like the browser. And I would copy and paste the files into there. That way there was no, uh, I guess you could say paper trail of me actually downloading the files. So Finn downloads a bunch of files from this shared folder. And that shared folder happened to be the principal's computer. I didn't know the guy was the principal at first. I didn't know the dude, never even had seen him. So I thought there's nothing interesting in this, I, uh, but I, I guess I still will take a look. And so I'm, I'm scrolling down uh, about 180 files. Finn finds a copy of the principal's hunting license, his driver's license, and a bunch of the student and faculty information. And I'm like, okay, that's... What, what more is there? Like, I, there has to be more than this. So I'm at the bottom of the uh, page, and there's this little Word document file um, titled Passwords. Immediately, I, I facepalm myself because I, I was quite ashamed that this is what it had came to, that someone was saving passwords not only in a word document but it was unprotected and it was obviously labeled it was so terrible so i opened the uh file i see at the bottom of the text document he has a twitter password it's now lunchtime finn collects his stuff heads to the lunchroom starts looking for his friends so you've, you've seen uh, Mr. Robot. I would say it's more like the moments where Elliot's kind of like uh, talking to himself. Please tell me you're seeing this too. So I'm, I'm in that phrase where I'm like, okay, I've got two options that I can do here. I could go to whoever I can even think of, report this, or I could have a little fun. So I'm sitting at lunch with my buddies you know, I'm still thinking about this passwords folder because at this point it's itching my brain. It's like, like, come on, dude. Oh, like, do something. So I'm like, all right, let's just see if he really is this dumb. So I go through the list of passwords. So I try the first one on his Twitter, doesn't work. Try the second one on Twitter, doesn't work. And so I make it to, I, I guess, the oh, 11th one. And 
I'm like, if this doesn't work, then shoot the guys. Guys, unhackable. So I entered in, not expecting anything to happen. Um, so I, I look up and my friends are joking, and then I look back down at my my tablet, and all I see is, I mean, Twitter would like to use your your location. Do you want to allow this? All the noise around me just stopped. I'm like, oh shit, this fucking worked. What do I what do I do? And it, it all kind of hit me. It was like, yo, I could go to jail for this. Um, and that's where uh, hell breaks loose. Finn starts posting stuff on the principal's Twitter and then quickly deleting it after his friends see it. So I would post something like, uh, God bless the KKK or something edgy and then quickly delete it and they were just laughing. Mind you, the principal is no joke. Two, two steps away from us, sitting at a table. <laughs> so everyone was like, dude, you've got some, like, fucking balls. My little kid self comes out again. He's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Next, I'm like, what if I went to the website? So I, I went to the, the that school's official main webpage. I, I first scanned the page using this app called Admin Panel Finder. It looks for stereotypical admin page login so uh, i found the one for the website i knew the principal's email everyone's email is set up the same so you have last name dot first name at school so this was pretty common sense type of knowledge so i enter in this email i realized what if he's using the password for his twitter for this at this point i'm already pretty screwed if not why not but I'm, I'm more pissed at this point because I'm like, this this is fucking stupid. How, why and how do you allow this to happen? So I click the enter button and I look up and my friends are like, dude, dude, that's fucking awesome. And then one of my friends who I, I call him the, the bad luck guy, because I, I swear on everything that he jinxed me. He was like, dude, you're going to get in trouble. And then got up and walked away. I'm now worried, excited, scared, and pissed. So I'm a fuck ton of emotions at that point. I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely like, I'm not thinking straight. If you were to ask me one plus one at that point, I probably would have said 52. <laughs> I look back down at my tablet and I'm in. Finn now has logged into the school's main website as the principal. This website has things like announcements, school closures, upcoming events, and teacher bios. But Finn's access only allows him to change the principal's bio. So I'm like, now, like, just fuck everyone, man. I wiped everything. So his picture, that was deleted off this website. His biography, that was deleted. His email, gone. His phone number, gone. Anything associated with him, was gone. So I couldn't upload um, anything more than an image. So I took his name, deleted it, and I put hacked by handle that I used to use. And then I upload this image from the game Watchdog. And I uploaded that as the image of him um, pretty much flicking off the camera. So after I upload that, I start writing. I said, fuck the school name. 
fuck um, the main IT guy. Um, fuck my principal and fuck the board of education. So after that, I, I click post. Lunch is over. Finn heads to his next class. So I'm, I'm walking into my um, literature class. I'm, I'm kind of like in this uh, surreal state. Finn shows the school website to a friend he had in that class. And he was like, dude, did you, did you do that? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, you need to like, don't do anything else, man. Like, fucking chill. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. But then a bell rang out of nowhere. It was just a second lunch bell. But for a moment, he thought it was the intercom. And they were calling him up to the office. And I, I guess you could say that was kind of like what set me off again. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. So I go into the Twitter. Um, I, I again, I go through the procedure, wipe his name, and I change his image. Put uh, hacked by handle that I used to use. For the rest of literature class, Finn proceeded to tweet as the principal. Guess who just got fucking hacked? <laughs> and that was the first post. He then posted the principal's social security number and other private info. Finn went on to post links to Pastebin, where he was posting private documents. The first was... Employee data list. It's their name, their birthday, their addresses, their phone numbers, what car they drive, their license plate, their park, where they park. It was super detailed. And then he did another post. Students' parents' name email, location, phone number. And then another post of all student emails. I posted the list of everybody's email and then everybody's password. And then I think I capped it off with like, fuck the Board of Education and and fuck the main IT guy because he was not doing his job. I felt like he, he failed not only me, but he failed my friends, my teachers, the parents, my mom. I felt like he failed everybody. And that that's what, I guess, um, really set me off. And somehow this whole time, Finn's teacher didn't notice he was on his tablet. No, she never noticed. Like, because I was in the back of the classroom, mind you. So she has to pay attention to 20 other students, which is, it's another reason I hate public school. I feel like anything can go wrong. And in this case, it, it actually did. My friend, the, the guy I was talking to, he's like, Dude, put the fucking tablet up. So I'm like, okay, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I, I put the, the tablet in my bag. And at that point, we're pretty much near the end of literature class. Finn grabs his backpack and walks to the next class. I feel like I'm in terrorist. Like I'm carrying a, a bomb and nobody knows it but me. I felt like at any moment, like... Fucking Secret Service was going to pop out of nowhere and, like, just black bag over my head and I'm gone. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Jesus, fuck, what did I do? Fuck, I, I, I think I may have fucked up. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just tried to get my mind off of it while I was walking. I'm about two steps away from the door of my history class um this kid who i knew um who used to be um an anonymous he passed me he's like yo dude did you hear somebody hacked the hacked the principal's uh, twitter i'm like god damn <laughs> so i'm like okay maybe it's just him who knows i walk into class 
everybody's fucking talking about it. I'm like, whoa, is it really this big of a deal? Like, holy shit. Has, how quick does news get around? Finn tries desperately to keep his mind off the hack. He keeps his tablet on his desk, but keeps it off the whole class. He stays focused on his assignment. This is the last class of the day. There's only a few minutes left of class. Out of the blue, the intercom comes on. I'm like freaking out again. Um, at this point, I'm like, I'm like, I'm shaking. Like, obviously I'm shaking. And they call code yellow. So code red is like an active shooter or there is a definite threat in the school. The code yellow is where they're like, we don't know if this happened in the school or out the school. When the code yellow happens, all doors um, are, are locked. Only the administrators are able to get it. You're locked in pretty much. And at that point, I hear the doors of the main building open. And... I hear a cop radio. So principal's like super pissed. So they're trying to calm him down. He's pissed, sad, confused. I, I could I could see where he was coming from. I I guess you could say I, I felt his emotion. They go through one of the classrooms. Um, you don't hear nothing. It's dead silent for five minutes. Uh, my desk just sitting there. After those five minutes, our door opens. It's the assistant principal. So he goes and he's like, okay, everyone, I need to see your phones. I need you to just press the power button and let me see what you're logging on. So he goes through everyone on the right side and I'm now like, fuck, I'm on panic mode. If I, I probably looked like a crackhead because <laughs> um, I'm like visibly shaking. Fuck, fuck. I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna, if he sees that I have my talent on my desk, he's going to want to check it. So um, not even thinking twice, I slide the tablet like behind the file cabinet to where I can still get it like when I'm about to leave, but he wouldn't notice that it's behind the cabinet. So he goes through everyone and he's like, okay, uh, radio's in all clear and walks out after that um uh 10 minutes goes by um the intercom comes back on and um the, the lady announces the code yellow is over everyone have a nice day finn grabs his tablet from behind the cabinet throws it in his backpack and starts heading for the bus to go home at that point i'm uh not only am i just shaking physically i'm pretty much in tears I'm, I'm scared at that point i will honestly say that i i definitely cried i was like i i fucked up um and, and there's no way i can go back and, and fix this fuck up this time while i'm walking to the bus i, I was quiet i just breathed i guess it was like Taking your last, uh, having your last meal before you go to jail. This, this is my last time probably being here. Being in this moment, being free. And I, I get on the bus and everyone's on the bus is talking about it. Even the uh, guy who, um, who I was working with, he was even talking about it. Said, um, whoever fucking hacked the school is a fucking idiot. <laughs> At one point, I was God. 
and now I'm the fucking devil in an instant. It's like I had power in my hand and I blinked and it was gone. I had my shitty little old tablet and I I turned it back on um, and I plugged in my headphones and I listened to music all the way home. Support for this episode comes from Oracle for Startups. I think I have to buy a new phone this week. This one I have is running out of space and it's just too slow for my modern usage. But I wonder if startup companies have this same problem where they start out with some cool new technology to run their business, but over time it starts to slow down and their underlying architecture just can't handle big customers, large spikes, or the growth that they hope to have. How does a startup find technology that can grow with them? Well, Oracle has this startup partnership. It's cleverly called Oracle for Startups. The idea is even though you're a startup, you can tap into the cloud computing power, expertise, and connections of a big dog like Oracle. You get free cloud credits and 70% off their cloud services. Plus, with multi-cloud support and no vendor lock-in, you build this any way you want. Now you aren't frustrated and you've got the power to scale and you're free to go after your dream customers. Don't stay stuck. Go check out oracle.com slash go to slash darknet. I got home and I I just sat on my bed like just thinking. I didn't know what to do. Every day after school I always messaged my mom. Because that, I mean, that, that's my mom. I want to make sure she's okay. So I messaged her and she was like, so how was school? I remember getting a call about school being on lockdown. And I was like, yeah, someone leaked the principal's information. I don't know when in the hell made me tell her, but I, I fucking did. I asked him, did you have any involvement in it? I don't know what made me ask him that, but I did. Uh, of course, at that time, he lied to me. And I think that's when she knew that, yeah, he he did something. And he's not telling me. And the school called me and asked me, could I bring um, Finn's tablet to the school? And so um, I did, because Finn had told me that he had no involvement in the situation. So she came into my room. She was like, hey, where's your tablet? And I was like, oh, it's right here. She was like, I need to see it for a little bit. And so I said, okay. I thought maybe she needs to do something. And um, I, I didn't think too much of it. Mom took Finn's tablet to the school. And that's when they told her about the hack. I stayed at the school while they did their little investigation, um, trying to figure out if this was actually the tablet that had done it. It had a code on it, so I had to call Finn and ask him what was the code. She's like, hey, Finn, I'm uh, I'm at the schoolhouse. We need the code for your tablet. The first thing that answers my head is, fuck. Fucking kill me. <laughs> if I had known, I would have definitely wiped my uh, tablet before giving it to her. <laughs> so the code that I had... Uh, given her was to the tablet's safe mode. 
So Finn gave us some kind of mixed-up code. I was there for three hours, probably more, because they called somebody off the campus to try to get past the walls inside of this tablet in order to find out if this was the exact same IP address. After three hours, the school did determine the tablet was used in this hack because of a matching MAC address. My kid did this? Like, are you sure we're talking about the same kid? And then the other part of me was, wow, like, he did this. I didn't understand why he had done it, because it it just, it didn't make sense. You would have thought that maybe something would have happened that would have triggered this event. Maybe, like, he got in trouble at school, went to the principal's office, something of that nature. But none of that had happened prior to this incident. So mom drove home. I had a talk with Finn. Yes. Yes. We're just going to go with that. Yes. We talked. Um, That was the first time I think I've ever really seen my mom cry. Um, But we we talked. I, I can't even remember what we talked about. Um, I, I would get hit with a nuclear bomb for, for my mom. I would die for her. And that was the first time I felt like I had, I'd hurt her. And I, I didn't want to ever feel that again. A few minutes go by. I'm sitting in her room. My stepdad's in there. Two cops enter the house. Your heart drops because you know that it's something because you just left the school and you're wondering like, dang, how'd they get them here so fast? That was number one. And then number two is like, are they going to take my child out of my house right now? And then as a parent, there's nothing I could do right now in this moment to fix it. There's nothing I can do to protect him from this moment. I was just like, shoot, this happened way too damn quick. At least let me have some time to fucking think at least. I was worried not about going to jail, but how my brothers and sisters would be affected by seeing me go to jail. I was more worried about how this was affecting them and not me. So at the time, I was also on the phone with my parents. And then my mom was like, hey, y'all need to stop talking to them. You need to get a lawyer. So at that time, I had to tell them that we no longer could talk to them. And of course, they didn't like that, but they knew that they had to go because they weren't there with any warrants of arrest. And the cops leave. Now I'm in panic mode. As a parent, um, you never want to see your child in, in trouble. And I knew that this was about to be bad. Um, I didn't realize at that time how bad it was about to get, but I knew it was bad. I was frantic because this all happened leading up to a weekend, um, meaning that I had to try to get representation for him by Monday. By 10 p.m. that night, the school's website was back to normal and the tweets were deleted. But there were a lot of views to that private information that was posted. So who knows how many copies were made and who had it. That weekend, the family found a lawyer. The police asked the mom to bring Finn down to the station. The police took his fingerprints and a mugshot and let him go home. The school suspended him permanently and informed the family that they would be taking him to court. He now had to go to an alternative school. 
which is a place that kids with behavior problems or have gotten in trouble can still go to for an education. But all of Finn's old friends were afraid to talk to him. No one wanted to talk to me. I was kind of a superhero and within a period, I was the supervillain. So now with this new supervillain persona labeled on me, no, nobody wanted to associate with me. It was back to square one again. What were the kids like in that alternative school? Have you ever heard of this uh, school-to-prison pipeline? I haven't heard of this before, so I had to look it up. The school-to-prison pipeline is where kids from disadvantaged backgrounds have a higher tendency to become locked up because of increasingly harsh school policies. It is debated, but some experts believe that once a kid starts down a path of being behind, getting suspended, and going to an alternative school, they are likely to wind up in jail or prison. As if life wasn't hard enough for you already, if you end up here, your odds of turning your life around are getting slim. I would say if you were to walk in, you'd be like, yeah, there's definitely a school, school to prison pipeline, definitely. I went from an environment where it was, you know, 90% Caucasians, where now it was, I am a part of the majority class. We're talking about um, a ratio of 90% African Americans. And I think the alternative school that I went to, it, it opened my eyes because I've seen the school to prison pipeline. I've seen people that I used to sit in with class at the alternative school get arrested at, at the alternative school. Um, I've seen fights happen there. I've, I've seen drug deals. Bad things were happening at the school. But there were people, the teachers, who cared. They, If you were having a bad day, you could sit there and talk to that other teacher for an entire hour until or for however long you needed. You also had smaller classrooms. So if you were, you know, like, let's say somehow you snuck in a phone, you were 90% going to get caught. That, that school really did change me. Yeah, he was actually doing very good at the alternative school. Like, he was passing all of his classes. Um, I even had requested that they leave him there because <laughs> he was just doing so much better. Actually, he had gotten a job, I mean, all on his own. And so he had started to kind of like, okay, you know, let me start trying to get myself together. A year goes by, my lawyer calls, hey, have you gotten a letter? No, I haven't gotten a letter. She's like, well, I'm not going to call them. You don't call them. They're supposed to contact you. So we don't. We thought it was over with. We thought, you know, nothing's going to come of it because they had told us um, juvenile court doesn't take this long to process cases. Another year comes and goes by. Uh, I come home one day after school. And my sister comes in with this paper. She's like, this is for you. Um, and, and I open it, and it's a court summoning. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, two years? This is two years, and they're now wanting to send me to jail? I was prepared on day one. Why, why two years? So I, I called my mom. You know, you could tell in his voice, like his heart just sunk. And so did mine. I was scared. Like, why wait so long? The court date comes. Finn and his mom and his lawyer sit on one side of the courtroom. On the other side is the principal, district attorney, and some members from the Board of Education. From what was said in the court, apparently in my my county, I'm the first person to ever been there for um, computer hacking. 
Because this was the first hacking case seen by the court and judge and DA, a lot was confusing to them. Nothing was agreed on, and the principal had brought new evidence in saying his credit was damaged because his data was leaked. So they had to come back a second day. And on the second day, Finn pled guilty, and the judge convicted him of a felony. Um, And it ended up being that he didn't have to serve time um, because, because of the fact that in that time, for two years, he had gotten a job, maintained that job, um, and actually had to go to work that weekend. Um, they didn't want to interfere with him being productive. I had six months that I could not be on social media and write a letter of apology. I have an entire year of probation. I have to pay restitution, which is 1300 Every time I'm on the internet, I have to be uh, supervised. And of course, that's someone over 18. So either me, my husband, or my mother had to be sitting there and able to say that we were monitoring what he was actually doing on the computer and that we saw what he was doing on the computer. But it really allowed me to see how much he was spending on the computer. That's just where our world is. Everything we do is either the phone or the computer. So it's getting even harder to limit his access when everything that he has to do involves it. And I'm constantly having to stay learning. I didn't know that emoji was a language, but it is. So I constantly have to stay on my toes as a parent um, to learn those things. You know, my husband's all for, let's just take them away and and not, you know, let them have them. And I'm like, okay, but then they're still going to find their friends that have them. I can't tell you how many cell phones I've confiscated from him. Um, because he still tries to get on there. How do you, as a parent, in this computer age and time, monitor your kids? Yeah, there's things out there, um, circuits like Circle and stuff that you can put on different devices to try to monitor and look at those things. But what if you have a kid like mine that is smart enough to get past that? Then what do you do? How do you, as a parent, monitor that? Because you didn't grow up in that age. After this whole incident with him, the school changed their whole computer policy. When the school year started, my other kids came back with BYOD letters that we always get every year. It had completely changed, and it was funny because a lot of things they had put in there mimic his case. And so I was like, oh, they changed that because of my child. They changed that because of my child. They did that because of my child. But it didn't change how they plan to deal with If another child like mine comes through there, what are you going to do to help challenge that student? When listening to Finn's story, I have a hard time figuring out exactly where everything went wrong. Maybe this is a normal reaction to a lifetime of being bullied or growing up with the diagnosis he has. His parents did what they could to educate him and keep him out of trouble, but life happens and he had to go to public school. Maybe the public school should have looked after him more and spotted his talents and shortcomings. Maybe his teachers should have noticed him being bored in class and tried to inspire him. But public schools struggle with finding good teachers who will work for little pay and to be able to afford a good IT admin. So looking back on the story, it just seems like there's a number of failures here and not just one. What Finn did was wrong, really wrong. Suppose personal public data like that can cause serious problems. And there were dozens of people potentially hurt because of this. And the worst was the principal. A feeling of having your personal data posted publicly is horrifying, and you feel violated. Finn apologized to the principal, saying he's sorry that he was part of this. 
It's clear from hearing this story that some schools aren't capable of dealing with kids like him. Courts aren't ready for these kind of cases either, and this isn't an isolated case. I see problems like this all the time. In fact, when I was making this episode, a school IT admin approached me with a similar story. All this is happening now in 2018. Computers have been in schools for over 20 years now, and when they still struggle with issues like this, it's clear that this is a serious problem. It's just a reminder that we're still in the infancy of the computer age, and our parents and schools and courts are still struggling to navigate through it. I am ready for him to kind of spread his wings and um, hopefully to go off to college to where that he can hone in on those abilities that he has. And, And that's an environment I think that he would just thrive in. So that's my hope. Honestly, I, I don't want to be the, the the black hat. I don't want to be that that guy who's always on the bad side of the spectrum. I want to be the good guy. I, I want to continue looking for companies who will give me at least an internship. I want to make sure that I'm putting my skills to good use to make the world and the internet a better place. Finn is a kid who the public school failed, the court systems didn't know what to do with, and whose parents struggled to understand. A kid who wanted to be a hero, just doing what he knew how to do best, and achieved his goal for one single period, and then became a villain of his own story. You've been listening to Darknet Diaries. If you love this show, please visit darknetdiaries.com slash love. There you'll find ways to help this show, and boy, does it need help. I'm Jack Resider, and this episode was produced and edited by me and Stephanie Jens. She's that friend I told you about earlier that thought there's more to this than just another hacker story. Theme music is by the talented and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks for listening.